What's up, everyone? Welcome in. Welcome to episode 54. It's been a long time. We're finally on episode 54 of WFS, the Will Ford Show. It's been it's been two weeks to the day since I've recorded and gotten an episode out. It's been a crazy past couple of weeks for me. Um, kind of stressful. This past week, I uh, started the second semester of my freshman year of college. So I've been kind of kind of busy with that. Just trying to get all situated and just see what my schedule's like. And then and then the week before, um I we have this thing at Muskingum called early arrivals. It's where people come back for the second semester and move into their dorms and stuff for the the basically the entire week before classes actually start. And um, I got offered a position in Orbit Media uh, to be the sales director for this semester, which is basically just going to local businesses and just seeing if they want to support our TV and radio uh, operations. Just basically, our, just our whole Orbit Media function at Muskingum. And so I had to show up for uh, early arrivals to kind of get some training for that job and kind of see what the job's all about. Wasn't really sure how I felt about the job at first. Sales is, it's a tough, uncomfortable thing for me. I think it's anything to do with money. I don't, I don't like that much, but I took the job and right now it's, it's not too bad. So I only have to do stuff for about a couple hours a week and in just like visiting businesses and making calls and stuff. And it's, it's kind of stressful. It takes a, like each phone call and each visit takes like five minutes of game planning in the car before I go in, which I mean, is fine. And I'm getting better at it. I think I haven't made any sales yet, but it was something that was very stressful for me when I first started and it's gotten a little easier, a little better. And hopefully I, I can make a couple of sales for orbit media, but that's what happened the week before. And then this week, like I said, was just getting back into schedule, uh, like the normal routine, school schedule, trying to figure out what, you know, what stuff was going to be like, because I call games for Orbit Media as well, and I didn't know what how that was going to fit into the schedule and and stuff like that. So this week was really just a, a slam-packed, jammed week. So I apologize for not getting anything out and not even, I did, I should have just sent out a, a simple tweet or two and I really didn't do that. I So that's my fault on that, but I am back. Uh, it's better late than never, obviously. I'm, I'm glad to be back. I'm just, just trying to figure out this school schedule, man. I, I, I'd love to try to keep doing this, this Tuesday, Friday, or at least two a week kind of thing. And I think I can do it. I think it's just a matter of me kind of getting my feet under me for this semester and just seeing what the schedule's like, how things are going. Um, but this past week, I started my show for uh, WMCO, the radio station at Muskingum. And all the new trainees from last semester, they're all now uh, staff members. And we host our own two-hour time slots. Some people have multiple shows. And I'm from 8 to 10 on Mondays. I have one this past Monday. 
And from 8 to 8.30, I do something that's called the Musky Sports Blast, where we talk. Usually what we do is we interview a couple members from one of the winter sports teams, whether it be wrestling, girls or boys basketball. Um, But this past Monday, I wasn't able to interview any of the teams because of a sports psychologist that actually came to speak to all the sports teams on campus. So I did a national Muskie Sports Blast with one of my friends in Orbit Media, and we you know, talked about some of the NFL playoff games. So that kind of made up for an episode, but really, um, it really didn't. And it, I can't really, um, put that content. uh, That was all live content. Um, I was able to, to pull it off of the computer in school. Everything that goes over the air, everything that's spoken into a microphone, um, gets recorded uh, in in Orbit Media. Everything is just all stored on a computer and stuff. So I went in and and I pulled it off for my dad to listen to because he was unable to listen to it. Um, and I would put it into this episode, but it's all really irrelevant. I'm still going to talk about it a little bit, but really, it, you know, it's been a week since the divisional round of the playoffs kind of left a sour taste in my mouth, Uh, but we'll get into that later. Let's jump into the episode. We got a couple NBA things that I want to talk about. Um, So Boogie Cousins made his long awaited return to the Golden State Warriors coming off of his Achilles injury, returned against the Clippers last night, Um, played limited minutes, only played 15 minutes. He actually, he had 14 points, six boards and was three or four from the three point line. And actually ended up fouling out of the game. So he probably would have played longer than 15 minutes. I think he fouled out with about... Oh, I think it was in the fourth quarter that he fouled out. But... Boogie Cousins is back for the Warriors. And... I mean, once he gets into form, once he gets into that midseason form, he kind of shakes off the rust from the Achilles injury, which is he already had a good game last night. Uh, with more minutes, I think he would be he he would be able to put up twenty plus a night. It would just add another component to the Warriors. That just right now, it seems like they're on. Unbe- now they've taken a step back in years past, and they usually, I well, no, I shouldn't say that. They they play when they want to play. They put their foot on the gas when they want to put their foot on the gas. They most of the time they're in cruise control. And they can really throttle teams if they want to. And so really, it makes them just an unbeatable team. And right now, Boogie Cousins, adding him to the mix, five all-stars in a starting lineup, that's just going to make them like just absolutely impossible. (laughs) Impossible to beat. I mean, you have five guys in the starting lineup who and one of those guys at least a night is going to go off, have thirty plus. I mean, Steph's been shooting the ball lights out recently. Clay's had some big games. You add Boogie to the fold. I mean, you. If like Steph and Clay have a bad night, it doesn't matter because Boogie and Kevin Durant could go off, or you could have a game where. A rare game where Draymond Green scores 25-30 points and 
and Clay's hit some threes and the other guys are off, like it really doesn't even matter. They only need one or two of those guys to have decent games every night for them to win. Obviously, assuming Boogie can get back into full form, but I mean, this team is just incredible. It's going to be incredible. Just imagine what the Warriors are going to be like with Boogie at at midseason peak form. I would say uh, they were they were already my pick to win the to win the finals this year, but I mean with Boogie coming back now and with how good he played and how they dominated the Clippers, who have had a good year of their own right. I mean, it's scary, man. It's pretty scary, and it's going to set up for an absolute demolition derby in the finals against whoever. The Warriors play, whether it be the Celtics, the Raptors, the Bucks, the Sixers. My set, my my guess would is it would be the Celtics and the Warriors. That's what I predicted before the season. I actually, I think I might have said that the Celtics were going to win the finals, but that was before they got Boogie Cousins. <laughs> that kind of changes things when you add a fifth All Star to the mix, but. Um, Speaking of All-Stars, perfect segue, kind of want to just take a look at the latest All-Star voting for both the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. The the voting closes up for fans in in about, I think it's five days or so. Uh, the The fans decide the starters, and then the reserves are decided by coaches and NBA execs. Um, So the leading vote getters for the front court in the Western Conference LeBron James is leading the West in the front court followed by Luka Doncic his rookie season he's having a phenomenal year he's going to be rookie of the year he's playing amazing basketball only he's 19 years old I'm I am 19 and Luka Doncic is 19 and he's in the NBA balling up on NBA superstars that was something I dreamed about doing when I was like 11 years old. Like every kid had that dream. Oh, I want to go play professional football or well, or professional baseball or basketball. And I want to be this big time star. And you practice the 3-2-1 the in, your, in your driveway. And I mean, I literally did that. I wanted to go to the NBA. And obviously I realized... <laughs> A little bit later on in life that that was just an extremely difficult goal to try and achieve. Especially in the NBA where only 60 players get drafted. And in the NFL there's, you know, seven times that. A little over seven times that. And in baseball there's a million times that with how many rounds they have. It's really tough to be a professional athlete. And I'm 19 years old and Luka Doncic is the same age as me. And he's out there balling up. I just think that's absolutely insane. That's the same thing with Zion Williamson at Duke. I mean, he's the same age as me too. And he's 6'8", 285. And he's being compared to LeBron James when he came out of high school. I think he's a different beast than LeBron James. I think he's a much more physical and athletic specimen. But... 
for Luka Doncic to be second in the voting, only 400,000 votes behind LeBron for leading vote getter in the West, that's pretty good for a rookie. Paul George and Kevin Durant follow behind Luka Doncic at about 2.5 million votes. They're significantly behind Doncic. And then if you move to the guards, Stephen Curry has almost 3 million. This was as of a couple days ago, so it's probably increased. Derek Rose has 2,700,000. He's second for guards, so if this were to hold, Derek Rose would be a starter with Stephen Curry. Imagine that. Derek Rose, man. Derek Rose has had a resurgent year. Obviously, he's not He's not the prime D Rose he once was, but let's take a look at Derek Rose's stats for this year. Regular season, he's actually averaging 19 points and 5 assists. I mean, it's... I mean, that's a pretty good season. Because considering the last couple of seasons, last last season he was averaging 6, but he only played 9 games. Year before that in Cleveland, played... Oh, no, that was the same year. Played for Cleveland and Minnesota in the same season. Uh, 16 games, 10 points. The year before, 2016 with the Knicks, 18 points. 2015 with the Bulls, 16. And it gradually just gets lower until his MVP seasons. Season, sorry. But this season averaging 19 points, he's getting close to back to full form. Derek Rose, getting that love, getting that fan support, and I would... Uh, I haven't voted for any of the All-Stars, but who knows, I probably will right after this and I'll go put Derrick Rose's name in. Um, James Harden and Russell Westbrook follow Derrick Rose. Those guys may not even be starters, and that's incredible considering the year James Harden is having, the way he's been scoring lately. He had 53 one night, and then the very next game had 58 and he scored, a, I think that's a hundred and that's a hundred and eleven points. And none of those points that he scored were assisted on. They were all isolation points. Him just iso balling, dribbling the shot clock out, doing all the the hard work, and then finding a way to score out of it. I mean, he's literally scoring in the hardest way possible in the NBA, which is isolation. And it's literally on every time, every play he scores. Every time down the floor. And he he has to do that for this team to win, because they're without Chris Paul right now, and he has to do everything. <laughs> Excuse me, had a little hiccup there. He, he has to do everything for this team, and right now it's barely keeping him above water. And the Rockets need Chris Paul to play good for when he comes back. And then, so Westbrook's after Harden in the guards race. So right now, your starters for the Western Conference, which I think they need to have a center um, category for, for this as well because it's, it's they just do front court and guards. I think you should do guards, forwards, and then centers. 
that way you actually get a true center starting um, in the All-Star game. So it looks like... Oh, actually, it's not going to be West and East because it's actually captains. Um, but there's, there would still be starters. They just may not be on the same team together. But the starters for out of the Western Conference would be... Looks like LeBron, Luka Doncic, and Paul George from the front court. And then Stephen Curry and Derrick Rose for the guards. And LeBron would be a captain... And then in the East, we'll move over to the Eastern Conference. The front court leading vote getters, Giannis Antetokounmpo, leading the next highest person by 800,000 votes. Kawhi Leonard is second. Joel Embiid is third. And Jason Tatum is fourth by a wide margin. margin. Um, And then the guards, Kyrie Irving, the leading guard vote-getter. Dwayne Wade, his final season, he should definitely be an all-star just to give him his one final pay of respect from, from all the uh, the all-stars, all the fans, uh, and his last all-star appearance. Kemba Walker having a tremendous year, and then Ben Simmons. And then the starters out of the Eastern Conference, Giannis Antetokounmpo would be a captain. And then Kawhi Leonard and Joel Embiid would be starters. And then in the front court, Kyrie Irving and Dwayne Wade would be starters. And then... Alright, and you know what? Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and predict the starting lineups. Predict who LeBron and Giannis would take with their picks in the all-star draft. Um, LeBron, LeBron would have the most votes, so he would get the first pick, I believe. So let's just assume LeBron gets the first pick. Let's go ahead and write this down. LeBron with the first pick, I would like to think he would take Steph Curry, but I think he still has a good relationship with Kyrie, and we're going to talk about that actually. In a minute. I think he's going to take Kyrie. So I'm going to put Kyrie here. Kyrie Irving. So he's off the list. Giannis is going to take Steph. LeBron. I think LeBron is going to take Kawhi kind of a recruitment thing get Kawhi to come to LA Giannis is going to take Joel Embiid LeBron will then take ooh this is tough I think LeBron's going to take Luka because I know LeBron likes Luka Doncic So he's gone, and then Giannis will take Paul George. Plus, I think there's going to be a little bit of resentment between LeBron and Paul George because George didn't didn't come to LA, didn't even give the team a meeting. So, and then LeBron's going to take D Wade. 
obviously. And that would leave D-Rose to Team Giannis. So your starting lineup for Team LeBron, it would be Kyrie, D-Wade, uh, Luka Doncic, Kawhi, and LeBron versus the team versus Team Giannis, uh, Steph Curry, D-Rose, Paul George, Joel Embiid, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. That uh, this is obvious, obviously assuming that these guys are named the start the starters for the All Star game. Um, but yeah, I think that's a I think that's very realistic as far as the picks go. I think that's actually how it would go if those guys are the starters and if LeBron does in fact get the first pick. Um, but something that I want to touch on with Kyrie Irving Kyrie had a big game the other night in, in which he hit a game winning shot and I think I was against the Orlando Magic and Kyrie recognized that night you know what it means to be a leader kind of realized you know what it actually meant and he actually called LeBron he said this publicly that he called LeBron and apologized to him for how he acted in Cleveland and for, you know, not recognizing what LeBron was trying to do, trying to get everybody to be the best they could be, bring everyone together and, you know, try to win a championship uh, with everyone around you contributing. And Kyrie failed to realize that as a young kid and he called and apologized. And some people might think, oh, you know, Kyrie is he's regretting leaving leaving Cleveland and going to Boston to to be his own man. I don't think so. I think Kyrie is still glad he left because he now understands what it means to be a leader and and he still wants to take on that challenge. I think he was just calling LeBron just to simply say like like I'm sorry I didn't recognize it before. I didn't realize what you were trying to do before. Because Kyrie before, he just wanted a ball. He just wanted a, just a hoop. And then he was like, oh man, I want to be the leader. I want to help lead my team to a championship. And I, he didn't know what that was going to entail. He, I, I don't think he knew how hard that was going to be until now. And I don't, I don't think he regrets leaving. I think he's very thankful that he left because it allowed him to realize what he was doing wrong and how hard it was going to be. I don't think... This means Kyrie's gonna, you know, leave Boston after the season and go team up with LeBron in LA. I don't think that's even remotely likely. A lot of people think it is. I don't think that's I don't think that's gonna happen at all. I still think Kyrie wants to to be the man and and be the guy on his team, whether that be the Celtics in the future. If he goes to the to the Knicks with Porzingis, the Brooklyn Nets. Maybe the LA Clippers. I don't think LeBron and Kyrie are teaming back up, but I still do think that they have a great relationship and that there's no... Obviously, LeBron was hurt that Kyrie wanted out, but I think there's no love lost. And I... I think that was just really high class of Kyrie to call LeBron and admit he was wrong. 
and admit that like, yo, I'm the reason why things didn't work out. Kyrie admitted he wanted everything at his fingertips. He wanted everything at his disposal. And uh, he just didn't know what that was, what that meant and what it was going to be. And he, now he, now he does. And I think that takes a lot of a maturity to recognize that you're wrong and to be able to call and say that you were sorry. I think that takes a lot. And I, I commend Kyrie Irving for that. And I think that's going to be a, I think if that's, if that's how the all-star lineup shakes out to be, LeBron's going to pick Kyrie with the first pick if he has it. Even if he doesn't have it, because I don't think Kyrie, I don't think Giannis is going to take Kyrie first. But I think LeBron will. Who knows? They may team up together back in LA, but I, I really don't see that happening. I think Kyrie still wants to be the man of his own team and prove that he can be that guy. Um, but now, now I want to move on to the NFL. We're going to kind of recap those divisional results just a little bit and jump into the conference championship preview for this weekend. We're getting down to the wire. I'm a little sad because I don't want football to end. But that's how it goes. That's the circle of of sports. That's just how it goes. Um, so the divisional results over the weekend. The Chiefs defeated the Colts 31 to 13. Um I would have liked I liked the, the Chiefs in this game. That's who I would have predicted had I done a show. Just playing at home. In that weather, um, I do think there was a lot of pressure on the Chiefs just because they hadn't won a home playoff game since since '93. But I th- I think this team is just different with Pat Mahomes. There's just you can be a lot more aggressive. They're much more dynamic, and you know the the Colts have won nine of ten. Yes, they were hot, but. You had to think that there was going to be a meltdown in there because they literally had to win every one of those nine games to get into the playoffs. And they did that. They had to win every game to get into the playoffs and that can take a toll mentally on a team. And that's tough. And the ma- the amazing thing about this game is the the Chiefs won thirty one to thirteen, and Patrick Mahomes didn't even throw a touchdown pass. He ran for a touchdown, but he didn't have to throw one. It was more about the running game, and really a case of the drops for both teams. A lot of res- receivers were dropping balls left and right. Tyree Kill had some drops. Granted, it was some snowy weather, but I mean, they these were easy throws and catches that were just not. They they just weren't connecting. But the Chiefs, you know, they didn't play great. They weren't outstanding, but they played well enough to be able to handle a Colts team by 18 points and move on to the AFC Championship. Rams versus the Cowboys. This one was a tough one for me because I am a Cowboy fan, but I've been much more objective. I think you got to give me that. I've been very objective over the last 
couple months of the season, ever since I I said I was either not going to predict or just be as objective as I could about the team. This was a tough one for me to swallow, though. Uh, I'm a very passionate fan, and I've been waiting for my entire life for a Cowboys Super Bowl or at least an NFC Championship, and I haven't seen that yet. Um, but it's a team that's got a lot of promise, especially defensively. And I, I really, I, I, I like where they're at. Uh, obviously, it was a disappointing loss, though. They had their chances to win the game. I don't know how you, I don't know how the Cowboys' defense allowed C.J. Anderson to go off like he did. I mean, Todd Gurley, he had over 100 yards and a touchdown, but it didn't even seem like he did anything. Because C.J. Anderson just comes in and he rushes for like 120, 130 yards and two touchdowns and just absolutely gashes our defense for huge chunk plays, 10 plus yard rushes, it seemed like on every play. He just wasn't letting up and the Cowboys just couldn't stop him. And then offensively, I think Dak played an outstanding game. I think he played far better than Jared Goff did. It was just the play calling by Scott Linehan that really hurt the Cowboys in the end. A fourth and one, you had an entire break. You had the break between the end of the third and the beginning of the fourth. You had at least two or three minutes to come up with a play on fourth and one to keep the drive alive, go down and score a touchdown and maybe get the two-point conversion and keep the game close. And you decide to run it straight up the middle to Zeke. Everyone in the building, everyone sitting at home watching, knew it was going to be a run up the middle with Zeke. And you can't just you can't do that with Aaron Donald and Adamic and Sue sitting right there in the middle. I mean, you just can't do that. <laughs> so that was really frustrating. And then... The Rams went down and scored. The Cowboys then came back and scored. And then the Rams uh, ended up, uh, well, see, I'm getting mixed up here, but it ended up being an eight-point game with two minutes left. The Cowboys scored to cut it back to a one-possession game. Third and seven, one timeout left, under two minutes. If the Rams get a first down, the game's over. I caught it out sitting, sitting on the, in the chair, I said, you got to watch out for the play action. Just leave a linebacker out there. Doesn't matter who it is. Just put someone out there to watch Jared Goff. So that way, if he does roll out, you can go get him. We covered it really well. They always covered that really well. They bit a little too hard on the run. So the, all the linebackers were, you know, at the line of scrimmage, And Jared Goff was able to run for 12 yards to pick up the first down and end the game. And that was really frustrating. So coaching wise, you know, it was really, really tough to watch. I swear I could be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Uh, going back to that Zeke play up the middle, like you, you had three minutes to come up with a play, run a read option, run a uh, play action pass or a QB sneak or something a little more creative than a run up the middle. I mean, I may not be able to design a play. I may not be as inclined as as far as coming up with plays and being creative and stuff, but I think I know how to call a play. I think I know what plays to call situationally. I mean, it's not tough. 
especially when you know you have Aaron Donald and Dominic and Sue sitting right there in the middle. But that's that's enough for a rant. That's enough of a rant. The Cowboys lost to the Rams 30-22. to So the Rams are moving on to the NFC Championship. Um, on the other side, on the other day, I should say, on last Sunday, the Patriots mollywopped the Chargers 41-28. to It was 35-7 to at halftime. The Chargers were my Super Bowl pick, man. They were my Super Bowl pick. Not necessarily to win it, but to get there. And I thought this was going to be a tough game for the Patriots. But the Patriots at home this year are 9-0, and including that playoff game against the Chargers. Phillip Rivers had no time to throw it all. Really, just a tough game all around. And it seems like this Patriots dynasty is going to continue to live on and it's going to be yet another playoff letdown for Phillip Rivers, who's been, seems like he's been getting better and better over the years as the years go by. I was really shocked by the result, 35-7 to at half, and the Chargers kind of pull it close, but it really never was. Patriots are moving on to face the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, and then on the other side, the New Orleans Saints versus Saint Nick himself, Nick Foles, in the Eagles. Saints ended up winning the game 20-14. to And really, it came down to that final drive. Will Lutz missed a 52-yarder to make it a two-possession game with about two minutes left. And then Nick Foles got that ball, and I was like, man, these Saints are going to do it again. That's unbelievable. Nick Foles is going <sighs> to... Nick Foles is going to beat another great team to get to the NFC Championship. St. Nick's going to do it again. And they were driving down the field, and Alshon Jeffrey let a pass go right through his hands for an interception. No fault of Nick Foles. Game over, and the Foles magic ends. But that leaves an interesting question for the offseason, and I talked about this on the Muskie Sports Blast uh, last Monday, and I'll talk about it now. It leaves an interesting question for the Eagles, whether or not to stick with Carson Wentz or go with uh, Nick Foles next season. I think you go with Nick Foles. I, I really, really do. I mean, if you if you look at it, Carson Wentz's first year, he went 5-11. and 11. The next year, I forget what their record was at the time he got hurt, but he was having an MVP season. They were the first seed in the NFC. He goes down, and then Nick Foles comes in, seemingly plays better than Carson Wentz, leads the team to a Super Bowl win over Tom Brady and the Patriots. And then this season, uh, Nick Foles obviously started the first two games for Wentz for, for him coming back from injury. And then Wentz comes back. They're six and seven before uh, Carson Wentz gets hurt again. And then Nick Foles leads them to nine and seven, gets them into the wild card round. They win a game against the Bears, and gets to play the Saints for a chance to go to the NFC title game. I think it's, 
I think you have to go with Nick Foles. He's still 29 years old. He's as cool as the other side of the pillow. He doesn't get phased by anything. And he's not injury prone like Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is very injury prone. Might be more talented quarterback. He's he's got the arm, he's got the athleticism, he's got the talent, but he he doesn't he doesn't show up in the big moments. He's not like I, I say this all the time, the best ability is availability, and that's Carson Wentz is just never available, it seems like, in those big moments. Like uh, one of those things for me in determining the best quarterbacks in the league, not only is it talent, but it's winning. And this is why I think Dak Prescott overall, when you factor in winning, is a, is a better quarterback than than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is far more talented than Dak. He's got the arm talent. He's got the he's more athletic. But Dak is really smart, and he wins football games. I mean, Dak's got three winning seasons in a row. His first three seasons are all winning seasons. He went thirteen and three in his rookie year, nine and seven last year. Obviously, a step back, but still nine and seven. And then ten and six this year, and a team that seems to be really actually on the up and up, and and seems like they're going to be one of the best teams in the NFC for a number of years. Uh, to me, it's simple. Nick Foles is the starting quarterback. That's what I do. That's that's what I would do if I were the. If I were the Eagles, he's obviously a fan favorite. And just think about this for a minute. If Nick Foles would have continued this magic, beat the Saints on a game-winning drive, and then go to Los Angeles, play the Rams where they had already beat them once earlier in the season, late late in the regular season, with Nick Foles as their quarterback, beat them again, and then go to the Super Bowl and beat Tom Brady or beat Tom Brady again or maybe beat Patrick Mahomes you would you'd have to think that Nick Foles would be in the Hall of Fame two magical Super Bowl runs you come in at the end of the season and you win two Super Bowls and you're possibly a two-time Super Bowl MVP how do you not put Nick Foles in the Hall of Fame I'm not saying first ballot second ballot ballot third ballot but Nick Foles gets into the Hall of Fame eventually. If you're going to put Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame for winning two Super Bowls on a team that where he was carried by his defense and a couple great catches, I think you have to put I think you have to put Nick Foles in the Hall of Fame had he won a, another Super Bowl this year. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but I think you see my point. Now, you might be laughing at the fact that I said Nick Foles would be a Hall of Famer if he had won two Super Bowls. I mean, it's kind of funny to me too, but it's true. He has to be. At least in my eyes. To me, the, the, the answer is clear. I think you go with Nick Foles. I think you go with the shirt thing. Nick Foles seems to play better with this team. Is he is, He's more limited than Carson Wentz as far as talent goes. But Nick Foles is just so smart. He's much better at leading the uh leading his team, reading the line of scrimmage, making uh changes at the line, calling audibles. And he plays within himself. He doesn't do too much and he spreads the ball around. 
Carson Wentz kind of just focuses on Zach Ertz. And Nick Foles kind of spreads it around. He hits Jeffrey, hits Tate. If I had video, if I was able to show a video and explain something that I love that Nick Foles did, it was from the Bears playoff game a couple weeks back. That that game-winning touchdown that was scored, that rollout throw to Golden Tate, I would love to walk through that play and show you guys what he did and kind of the, the subtleties that you may not recognize throughout that play. It was just beautiful if I was able to show you what I'm talking about. I think you got to go with Nick Foles. I don't think they're going to though. I think they're going to stick with Wentz just because he's younger, but I think you can you you can get so much trade value out of Carson Wentz. And it really like you could get multiple first round picks and and other picks for Carson Wentz. For Nick Foles, you're probably not I don't know I don't know if you're going to get more than a second for Nick Foles. Whereas Carson Wentz, you get a plethora of picks. You're probably going to get five picks for Carson Wentz. You have a solid starting quarterback in Nick Foles. And you can use those picks to kind of retool your team in other areas. Secondary is a weak point for the Eagles. They can go out and get some secondary players. I mean, that's what I would do. You can trade them to like... The Jags, who have a, who will have a good pick this year. Uh, maybe you trade him to the Giants. The Giants need a quarterback. It's interesting, and it's obviously something we're going to have to watch because they're going to have to make a decision here soon. My gut feeling is they move on from Foles, they trade him away, and they keep Wentz. But I think that's a mistake. Because of how injury prone Carson Wentz is. Alright. So let's jump into the conference championship games for this weekend. We have the Chiefs versus the Patriots. And the Saints versus the Rams. Two matchups from earlier in the season. They were two of the best games of the year. We'll start with the Chiefs versus the Patriots. I think... I think earlier, on the Muskie Sports Blast earlier, if I was able to uh, kind of put that in here, I said on the Muskie Sports Blast that Tom Brady was and the, and the Patriots were going to go to the Super Bowl. Not necessarily win it, but they were going to beat Mahomes in the AFC title game and go to the Super Bowl. And I think that's highly possible. I don't want to... I, I doubted the Patriots heading into the playoffs many times. You guys heard it. And... I kind of bit it. They they dominated the Chargers. But this game just seems a little bit different. I'm not doubting the Patriots. I think the Patriots are more than capable of going on the road and beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead. I think it's certainly possible. But the Patriots this season have been a far better home team than they have been a road team. 9-0 and at home this season, including the playoffs. And obviously all their losses this year have been on the road. 0-4. Well, 4-4 four four 
on the road, not 0 and 4. 4 and 4 on the road. And they're going to have to actually 3 and 5 on the road. As they finished 11 and 5. Um they're going to go to a hostile Arrowhead stadium. Those Chiefs fans are going to be rocking. And the Patriots are a team that just have no playmakers uh, at, at receiver or uh, on the outside. They have a good running game, and that's going to travel. But on the road, you know, teams aren't necessarily as sharp. Teams aren't as good. And that's when you need playmakers to be able to make some pivotal plays to kind of change the game and help you win. And I I just I think the Chiefs have more of that than the Patriots do. I mean, you tell me Philip Dorsett is going to go out there and have you know eight catches for 110 yards and two touchdowns? No. Julian Edelman, he has his moments, but I don't think Julian Edelman is a game breaker and Gronk is considering retirement after this year. He's just not good anymore. The running game will travel, and I certainly think that's going to help keep the Chiefs or help keep the Patriots in this game. But with the lack of playmaking the Patriots have versus the the abundance of playmaking the Chiefs have with Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins and and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Playmaking is what helps you win a road playoff game. Offensively and defensively. The Patriots don't really have any playmakers on defense either. And I think that lack of playmaking ability on the outside and on the the defensive side of the ball is going to hurt the Patriots. I think it's going to be a closer game. And I don't want to go against Tom Brady. It's hard to go against Tom Brady. I think Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they may not play well, but they're going to play well enough. The lack of playmaking for the Patriots is going to show. I'm going to take the Chiefs in this game to win 28-23 to in a close one. And then going to the other side, Saints versus the Rams. The Saints, over the last several weeks, have been a much more defensive-focused team. They've been holding to their opponents to under 20 points. And really, their offense just hasn't been the same as what it was earlier in the season. It seemed like post-Cowboys game, where they got just absolutely dismantled offensively, that seemed like a turning point for their offense, and they were just never the same after that. So I think... This this is going to be a lower scoring game. It's going to be a defensive game. The Saints have a, a great ability to stop the run, but so did the Cowboys. I think this. I think C.J. Anderson and and Todd Gurley that one two punch is going to give the Saints some trouble on the defensive side of the ball. Although they're considered the best run defense in the league, and then. On the outside, I don't like Jared Goff that as much as a quarterback. And the Saints secondary has been far improved. This is the toughest game 
out of the two to to predict. This is really tough. But I think the Saints at home, they always play better at home. I'm going to go with the Saints. They were my Super Bowl pick to start the year. I'm not going to go away from them. The Saints are going to beat the Rams. This is going to be another close one as well. This is going to be even closer. I'm going to go 28-27. Uh, no, not no. You know what? I'm not. I don't even know if I'm going to go that high because I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I'm going to go 24 to 22. Saints over the Rams, kind of lower scoring for both of these teams. And the Saints are going to win on a Will Lutz field goal to send them to the Super Bowl. And then that would set up a Saints-Chiefs Super Bowl. And you know the Saints were my team to start the year. I'm going to pick the Saints in that game. And if that happens, we'll dive into more of that in the next episode. But that's it for for me for this week. Sorry it's been a long time. Just trying to get back into the swing of things with school. And, you know, I've kind of figured out what my schedule is going to be week to week. So as long as no monkey wrenches get thrown in the way, I know there's going to be a lot of, there's supposed to be a lot of snow coming to this, coming to the Ohio Midwest and like the Northern area and stuff, wherever it's going. I don't know, but there's supposed to be a lot of snow coming in this weekend. So. Who knows, that may affect things with school. I have no idea. Shouldn't, but we'll see how it goes. But I'm going to definitely try to get back on the consistency train. And I, I want to keep this thing going, man. I want to get those those listening numbers up. I've seen that a couple of my previous episodes, they're, they're up in the 70s as far as listens. And one's, I think, in the 50s from a couple episodes ago. So I want to try to keep those numbers right around there and we're going to get back on track i promise you that but thank you for listening guys make sure you follow the show on twitter at the will ford show rate and review the show on itunes like and comment and follow me on soundcloud we'll see you guys in episode 55 next week it's wfs